So this morning, to my surprise, David said that he wanted to look at, he was going into the book of Acts to look at what came next after Easter. And the same thing, not the same sermon, you'll be glad to know, was, was laid on my heart as well. You know, what is our response to Easter? I preached uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and asked us really not to, not to get to that place where we, we just think about Easter we get to Good Friday, and like Dave said this morning, you know, the, the sadness of Good Friday and the glory of Easter Sunday, that we can, we can sometimes, um, sometimes forget the cost. We can sometimes forget what happened, and we can sometimes move on uh, with our lives. But I wanted to talk to you this evening really about that, the aftermath. What happened next? You know, Jesus has died. He's risen uh, from the grave. The disciples are now... Um, kind of wondering what's next. Kind of Jesus has told them what, what's coming. He's told them that he'll come back, but he, they don't know when. Uh, he's told them that he's going to ascend into heaven, and, and he does so. And, and at that point, he told them to go into all, all the world, but making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said we would be with them always. But there was this kind of pregnant pause, this, this period where they didn't really know what was happening. I really want to look at what um, happened next. And really... What I want to talk about is the, the role of prayer in the early church. What happened? What was their response? What would your response to be to your, your world kind of crashing around your ears? What would your response be to, to life changing beyond all recognition? Well, the disciples got together um, and they prayed a lot. And I want to talk about that this evening. So I'm going to read uh, from Acts chapter 4, 23 to 32 maybe a bit longer um, so if you've got your Bibles with you it's um, Acts chapter 4 23 to 32 so it starts with the believers pray and just to give you a little bit of, of context here in Acts chapter 4 um, Peter and John have just been uh, released uh, from jail they were jailed for preaching the gospel in the streets for, for talking about Jesus for talking about his resurrection and the authorities um, pulled them in front of them and said you're not to do this anymore just don't do it anymore and they said well, we can't we can't stop we can't stop talking about what we've seen we can't stop talking about what this means to us and so we're, we're going to keep doing it <laughs> and and this is where we pick this up in Acts uh, chapter 4 verse 23 the believers pray on their release Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them when they heard this they raised their voices together to pray in God they didn't wring their hands they didn't, woe is me, there was no worry. When they heard this, when they heard what the authorities had said, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They started there praying with praise. They were lifting up the name of Jesus, of God, reminding themselves of what he had done, who this God is of theirs. They carry on. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? They're referencing the Old Testament here, and they're saying, why do people bother? Why these authorities? Why do the Sanhedrin? Why do the uh, religious authorities, why are they bothering to plot against you, God? Because it's not worth it. You win in the end. They've got that far. They realize that this is pointless. Why do they do this? They carry on. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one, that is Jesus or Christ. So again, here, they're praying scripture. So they've gone from, from uh, their friends returning from jail, and their first response is to pray. And they pray praise to God. 
praise him. Then they pray scripture. Then they carry on with the story. They're still praying here. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Again, no surprises for God. He knew this would happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're now praying for power. Then I want power as well. There's no, um, there's no worrying. There's no we need, we would like. Well, they are saying we would like, but what, look at what they're asking for. Bearing in mind, some of their friends have just been jailed for preaching the gospel in the street. And this is what they asked for. No, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, what they've just been jailed for, give us some more of the same. We want to keep doing this. Such was their boldness in prayer. Then it goes on, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They don't say, give me a prayer ministry. They don't say, make it about me. Stretch out your hand, God, and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what happened next? Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They got what they asked for. They prayed in God's will. They praised him. They prayed scripture. They prayed for power, and they got it. The place where they were shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and power, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Their prayers were answered. If we read the next couple of verses, all the believers were in one heart and mind. That's a miracle, isn't it? Think about that. All the believers were in one heart and mind. That is a miracle. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That's a miracle. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They got what they asked for. They continued to pray. They continued to ask God if they could boldly speak the gospel, boldly speak about the resurrection. And that's exactly what happened. This was an amazing prayer. The ground, when was the last time the ground shook when you prayed? Unless you live in London. How did they get there? How did they get to this place in Acts 4 where they were praying such bold prayers? Their friends have just been jailed and they're praying to God saying, I'll have some of that. I'll have some of that. Give me some of that boldness. Let me speak the gospel so loudly and so boldly that I end up in prison for you, Lord. That's what they're praying. They're praying really bold prayers and they get what they ask for. But how did they get here? How many times do we hear about the disciples praying in the gospels? Not much. Not much, it's not talked about much apart from, really, the Lord's Prayer. When in Luke 11, we see that one, his name's one disciple went to Jesus and said, this thing that you do, this, when you retire and you pray, so God, teach us how to do that. We want to do that. And Jesus told them what we all know is the Lord's Prayer. But in, really, until this moment, until we see in Acts, the disciples aren't praying so much, but now they are. And I just want to, to look at several verses and I'll, I'll talk through them in Acts and this is this is where we see the start so in Acts 1 verse 14 we pick it up where Jesus has ascended into heaven he's gone into heaven this Jesus this savior that their Lord that they spent three and a half years with day in day out pretty much um, knowing him walking with him they has gone he's gone 
The promise of the Holy Spirit is there, but it's not been realized just yet. But they gather together, and what do they do? Chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Constant prayer. I believe here they were cultivating their relationship with God. They just walked three and a half years with Jesus. They'd seen him retiring and praying to God, maintaining a relationship with God. And this is what the disciples knew they needed to do. So Jesus is gone. They're in this kind of pregnant pause waiting for the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They pray about cultivating relationship. Go on to Acts 1, 24. It says, uh, now they're trying to replace or about to replace the disciple that was Judas. And they're replacing him with either uh, Barsabbas, known as Justice, and Matthias. And they've got this decision to make. So what do they do? They prayed. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. They chose to do it by lots, to pick it by lots. But what they're saying is, God, we trust you in this. You know the heart of the man. You know who it is you want to take over. It's not about us. It's not about what we choose. It's you. And they prayed like that. So they had a decision to make, and they prayed about it. We go on to Acts 2.42. And you've heard me, well, countless times read this out. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So basically, they're devoting themselves to preaching, fellowship, or communion, and prayer. Preaching, communion, and prayer. These are three pillars of the early church, and they devoted themselves to it. And what do we see after that? We see that there are miracles following. They devote themselves to to preaching, communion, and prayer. Then it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It's no coincidence that they are devoting themselves to these things and they see miracles. Or the believers were together and had everything in common. Again, another miracle. They sold their property and possessions to give anyone who had need. It's another miracle. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They ate together. They met together with glad hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. But it started with devotion to preaching, communion, and prayer. The devotion in the Greek, it's talking about a readiness. Devotion here is talking about, uh, it actually, the word means to hover, to be ready. It's specifically, the, uh, the example it uses is boats in the harbor. So it isn't a boat that's in for repairs in the dry dock, getting holes repaired. It's not upon stilts, getting the, the, uh, the plankton uh, scraped off. This is a boat that's in the harbor, ready to go at any moment. This is the devotion it's talking about, to be ready to pray at any moment, ready to preach at any moment, to be ready to do this. It's it's almost like a posture that says, I'm ready to pray. This is what devoted means here. We go on in in chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. This is where they're choosing the seven that will become the first pastoral care team. They're picking seven disciples to look after the Hellenistic widows, those that are not being quite looked after as they should be. He says, we, we can't deal with all of this. We need to get this team that will look after people. Why? Because we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. To prayer and ministry of the word. These were so important to the apostles at the time that they knew they had it to to kind of ask other people to help them with some of these other tasks. No, it's not to say that people aren't important. Jesus died for every person. People are important. But they knew that the key to the power of the kingdom, to advancing the kingdom, was in preaching and in prayer. And they needed to focus on that. 
So they prayed and they focused on prayer. And then lastly, this last scripture I'm going to read out to you. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is in prison again. Uh, You could call him a criminal, couldn't you, I suppose? But he's in prison again. This time for for preaching again, for speaking out about Jesus. He's in prison again. And and what do we see? What's the response of the church? Again, they don't wring their hands. They don't think, oh, what could we do? Do we sign a petition? Let's see what we can do to get Peter out. No, we read in chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And what happens next? An angel turns up and releases Peter from prison. And then in 12, 12, Acts 12, verse 12, when this had dawned on him, so Peter realized, suddenly thought, oh, I'm free from prison. He thought he was dreaming, but this angel has released him from prison. He goes and finds his friends. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They were praying. They were constantly praying. They were praying before events. They were praying after events. They were praying during events. This is how they got to Acts 4, where they prayed this prayer. When despite the trouble they were in, they prayed praise to God. They tethered it to Scripture. They prayed Scripture, and then they prayed for power. None of those prayers were about, can I have? None of those prayers were, I kind of need but interestingly, when they prayed in God's will, when they prayed for God's power, when they prayed for power to advance the kingdom, when they prayed for power to do God's will, these things followed. People started to sell their stuff and share it with one another. People were added to their numbers daily when they were devoted to prayer. So they weren't asking for their stuff. You know, the Lord's Prayer has two parts. The first part is all about God. Interestingly, the last part, the second part, is about us. But what I see here is that if we pray for the kingdom, if we pray for God's will, we pray into God's will and for other people, the miracles follow. The things that he would supply to us follow. See, prayer was a a way of life, if you're not gathered. (laughs) Prayer was a way of life for the early church. It wasn't an add-on when they had time. It wasn't a good idea when things were rough. It's what they did. They were constantly, we read, in prayer. And constant prayer in good times (laughs) led them to pray readily and freely when they were in bad times. It was a habit. It was something they did daily and all the more when it was required. We look at Peter in jail. They prayed. When he went to jail, they prayed while he was in jail and they gave thanks and prayed when he came out of jail. So why is prayer so important? Why is it so important to them? I just want to read a scripture from uh, Matthew 21, verses, verse 13. Yeah, it is written, he said to them. This is when Jesus has gone into the temple. He stormed into the temple and he's getting rid of all the money changers and the thieves in there. And he says, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. He didn't say my house will be a house of preaching. He didn't say my house will be a house of worship. He said my house will be a house of prayer. He's referencing there Isaiah 56 where God says, my house will be a house of prayer. It will be a house of prayer for all nations. His house will be a house of prayer. So why is prayer important? I want to look at, we could do a series for six, seven weeks on prayer. But this evening I want to look at two, two parts really. 
on prayer and why the disciples, why this was their response. They realized what had happened and they grew in prayer. As they prayed more and more, as they prayed daily, as they cultivated their relationship with God, the veil was now torn in two. There was no priest to visit to, to see God. They could pray directly to God and they could hear from God and they could see the very actions of God. Prayer was so important to them. And the two aspects of prayer I want to look at tonight are relationship, which is what they started with, and kingdom advancement. See, the relationship part comes from, I believe, that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. How do you do that? How do you love someone? Well, one of the things you do is you spend time with them. It's very hard to love someone if you're not with them. You can feel love for them, but you can't really love them unless you're with them. And spending time with God is loving him. And he loves to spend time with you. And the second thing is kingdom advancement. Jesus had just ascended into heaven and he had told them, I want you to go into all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing people. This is what I want you to do. The, the, the great commission, we call it. And they prayed along those lines as well. They prayed, I want more power, God, to speak about you, more power to preach the gospel because the more we do this, the more people will know you. These are the two aspects of prayer that I want to focus on this evening so the first first one this relationship relationship prayer love the lord your god with all your heart in matthew 7 23 this frightening scripture says this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I always find that quite frightening, that scripture. And it always brings me to my knees because how do I know that God knows me? By knowing God. By spending time with him. I'm praying. It doesn't matter what I achieve in this life. It doesn't matter if I perform miracles. It doesn't matter how many people I might have the privilege of leading to the Lord. It doesn't matter how many sermons I preach. It matters whether God knows me. And I can know God in prayer. I can know God by spending time with him. How do we know God? Through scripture. That's how we get to know God. Through scripture. It tells us everything about him. His character, who he is, what he has done, what he wants to do. It tells us everything about scripture. But how are we known by God? In prayer. We're known by God in prayer. He knows us. He saw us knit together in his mother's womb. His word says so. He, we were thought in his mind before he created the world. He knows everything about us. But how are we known by God? How do we know him, enter that relationship? It's in prayer. God wants us to pray to him, to talk with him, to be with him. He misses us. Think of the prodigal son. The father portrayed or God portrayed as the father in that parable his son is gone and he just spent his whole time waiting for him to come back and when he came back he was overjoyed that's how God sees you and I when we're in daily prayer when we're in constant prayer like the apostles God is so pleased not that he's not pleased with you anyway but he's so pleased because you're spending time with him you're in communion with him you're praying to him and just like when the prodigal son returned his arms are open wide he just cannot wait to speak with you he's sad when we're not around Anybody had their, their kids leave home for a while or are going to leave home or you've, a friend has moved away and you miss them. You just miss them so much. And it's the same with God and with us. When we're not present with him, when we're not chasing after him, when we're not saying, God, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. He's sad. 
He's sad because he wants to be with you. This, um, don't judge me, but these lyrics from Cliff Richard came to, to my mum was a Cliff Richard fan, it's not me, I promise you. But he was talking about a breakup, he was talking about somebody leaving. I said, it's so funny how we don't talk anymore. It's so funny why we don't talk anymore. But I ain't losing sleep and I ain't counting sheep. It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. Well, it really doesn't matter to me. I guess your leaving was meant to be. It's down to you now. You want to be free. Well, I hope you know which way to go. You're on your own again. And don't come crying to me when you're the lonely one. Remember what you've done. That's Cliff Richard's response to somebody leaving him. But that's the human response when somebody that you love has left you because they don't want to be with you anymore. I wonder what God's response is to us when we wander away, when we don't spend as much time with him as we should or would want to. We find time doing other things. We hear the call of the TV. We hear the call of many things. God desperately wants to spend time with you. He wants you to spend time in prayer. Give him what you've got. It may not be much, but give him the time that you have and be with him in prayer. This relationship prayer, how do I cultivate a relationship with God? The disciples had to find it out through prayer. We've got the hindsight of scripture. We've got the hindsight of experience and many heroes of the faith that have gone before us and prayer is the pillar of everything that they did. So how did they get on to Asking God, from this cultivating this relationship with God, and that's something we need to do, and we'll look at that a bit later on. But how did they get them from this, this basic cultivation of prayer? God, I want to be with you. God, I want to I know you. How did they get from there to asking for the boldness to preach the gospel, even if it means I end up in jail? But if you think you spend time with someone, if you've, got, if you've got a need and you ask a friend for help, there's different kinds of friends, aren't there? There's friends you kind of hang out with, and there's friends that are really quite close, and there's friends that you're really tight with. And the favors that you might ask from them are different, aren't they? You know, would you, would you ask a friend, an acquaintance, to give you a lift? Yeah, quite possibly. But if your car breaks down in the middle of the moors, are they the person you're going to ring to ask them to tow you? Or would you ask one of your really close friends to do that? Because you're kind of that much closer. You ask for more. You're not afraid to ask for more because you know them, and you know them well. You kind of do life together. You're in each other's lives. You're not afraid to ask I think it's like that with God the more you get to know him the more you get to see what he can do the more miracles you see that he can do the more you press in and the more that you ask him for but it starts with praying even just a little bit it starts with prayer so this kingdom advancement prayer that I was talking about then this comes from the the great commission Jesus commissioned the disciples and everyone around them everyone in earshot and then they passed it on to them to them and to us that we must go into the world and preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel and we must pray for people. It's not enough just to preach. We've got to pray for people. We've got to pray for people's hearts to be softened. And I'll come on to that shortly. I'm talking here about intercession. And for some people, that word sounds so far away. I'm not an intercessor. Intercession, that's like those people that pray like all day. They pray all night. That's, that's intercession. That's not, for me, that's not what it is. Intercession is praying for others and praying for the kingdom. It's stepping in the gap and praying for those that are in need. It's praying for those that don't know Jesus yet. It's praying for those that need healing. It's praying for those that need restoration. It's praying for people that may not be able to pray for themselves. And it's praying for the advancement of the kingdom that all might know him 
that died for them. This type of prayer sees salvation. It sees breakthroughs. It sees miracles, victories, revivals, and so on. Why? Because it's earnest. It's repetitive. It's persistent. It's a kind of prayer that we don't give up on. It's the let your kingdom come and your will be done part of the Lord's prayer. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. You can say that once and leave it if you like, or we can get into a posture of that's what I want to see. I really do want to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth and everything that's involved in that, and that's intercession. It's persistent prayer. You think of places like International House of Prayer, 24-7 prayer ministries, prayer storm ministries. People have set up ministries to get people praying because we as a church, not this church, but the church, don't pray as much as we should do. Certainly don't pray as much as they used to. Maybe we've got a few more distractions. I don't know. I'm speaking to me too. The power of prayer. I just want to read something to you from this book. Wow, I'm going on, aren't I? Right, I'll be as quick as I can. Um, Where is it? Page 61. So the power of intercession then. Talk about, you know, preaching. We need to get the gospel into the world. We want to get people saved. But with that comes prayer. I don't think that preaching is enough. Let me read you this experiment in, in this book. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Some years ago, a church in Phoenix, Arizona, conducted an experiment. They randomly selected 160 names from the local telephone book and divided the names into two equal groups. For three months, they prayed for one group of 80 homes, but they did not intercede for the other 80 homes. Afterwards, they called all 160 homes, identified themselves and their church, and asked for permission to stop by and pray for the family and any needs that they might have. Of the 80 homes for which they didn't pray, only one invited them to visit. Of the 80 homes for which they had prayed, 69 invited someone to come over. The Holy Spirit overshadowed all 160 homes, but intercession broke satanic blindness and attracted a command from heaven for the Spirit to bring light to those 80 who were prayed for, and 86% of them responded. A missionary for 70 years, Dr. Wesley Duell, could say with some authority, prayer is the final armament. Prayer is the all-inclusive strategy of war. It is a form of spiritual bombing to saturate any area before God's army of witnesses begin their advance. Prayer is the all-conquering, invincible weapon of the army of God. If you don't feel you can do anything, pray. If you don't think you can do anything, pray. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray for the church down the road. Pray for the school, the business down the road. Pray for them. David Peters, who, who wrote that book, said intercession is for everyone. Intercession is a supportive ministry. It belongs to the entire body of Christ. There are only five biblical offices. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You need a call to be a prophet or a pastor, but you do not need a call to be an intercessor. Intercession is not for a secluded group. The more you pray, the more God will show you his heart and what he would have you pray for. You just need to commit to praying to him. God, show me. Show me what it is you want me to pray for. Not all believers have a gift of prophetic intercession where they see where God wants them to pray. They see what needs prayer for. I haven't got that. I haven't got the prophetic intercession. I'm just a pastor. But like you, I'm called to be an intercessor. I'm called to pray for other people and for the advancement of the kingdom. I'm going to move on because, uh, because time's marching on. One thing I will say about this prayer is it's 
focused and it's intentional and it's persistent. In Acts 3 verse 1 we read that, that Peter, I can't remember who, but it's Peter and someone else were on their way to the temple for 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pray. Thank you, John. Peter and John went to the temple at 3 in the afternoon to pray. It was a, like a date in their diary, a time in the, that this is when we pray. We will pray. It's not, oh, prayer fulfilled. I've got time. I'll pray when it comes to mind. They had set times where they were going to pray. So like I said, I've gone on. But I want to really talk about our response to Easter. Look how the disciples responded to Jesus dying and rising again and ascending into heaven and the call that they were given. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they saw miracle after miracle after miracle and they were emboldened to preach the gospel. I wonder if that could be our response to Easter this year. You know, it might be hard for some of us to pray. We were at Spring Harvest last week and we were talking with some of the, the teenage girls that were hanging out with my daughter in the, in the caravan and asking them what they found hard about pray and all of them found something different. Someone said, I'd like to pray when it's quiet and I'm on my own. Someone else said, I like to pray when I'm in the church and there's music playing. I like to pray when there's other people around. I find it hard to pray. It's hard. Praying can be hard. It wasn't just hard for us. When Jesus said to the disciples, will you watch and pray for an hour? Can you just do an hour? Watch and pray for an hour. And they couldn't do it. It was hard. They couldn't do it. So I want to introduce to you, I'm not, oh, I don't know whether to do the whole thing. What time are we on? No, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm going to encourage you to use this prayer wheel. Have we got it up there, Mo? If you can put that up, Mark. A friend of mine, I don't know, is he in tonight, Gordon? He is. Gordon uh, put me onto this prayer wheel a few years back. And whenever I get stuck with praying, whenever I get a little bit dry, whenever I get a bit kind of, oh, I've wandered again in my prayer life, I kind of get this out. And he got this years ago from one of Malwin's sermons. It's been doing the rounds for a long time. Now, this is not a by rote prayer wheel. You don't have to do it this way. This is not something that, that, that has to be done, and it can feel a bit robotic. But what I would ask you to do is consider this. I've actually, in faith, I've printed off 10 copies of this because there's a, there's a guide that goes with it as well. But quite basically, I need to get it out because my eyes aren't that good. I need to read it up here. But it's the hour that changes the world. It starts with, obviously, one finishes on 12. And the idea is that you, you pray for five minutes on each of those segments. So when you find it difficult to pray, you're just praying for five minutes. Now, what I was going to do tonight, and I've run out of time, but what I was going to do was start with one minute. Have you got 12 minutes you can offer God every day? You have. I know you have. Because <laughs> so have I. So I spend 12 minutes looking at the news, 12 minutes watching a program. 12 minutes scrolling through my phone. I've got 12 minutes I can offer God. So I would ask you to look at this. You can also get this online. So if you've got your phone, feel free to get your phones out. Check it out now. Is this the hour that changed the world? And it asks us. So what I'll do is, is talk through it. So prayer and worship, waiting on the Lord, confession of guilt and sin. You can read, so I'm not going to read all the, way, all the way around. But there's a guide that goes with it. And you start with, so can you pray for a minute? Can you praise God and worship for a minute? Yes, we can. Waiting on the Lord. He's just being quiet. Just be quiet for a minute. Just wait. How many of us are actually quiet before the Lord? Purposefully. I'm rubbish at it. But I've got to do more. Confession of guilt and sin. That's not for anybody here. Praying pray scripture. That's what the disciples did. They prayed praise. And then they prayed scripture. Embed your prayer in scripture. It's, it's easy. In fact, we were going to do this one. What's the next slide, Mark? 
So everybody knows this scripture. Psalm 23. Just get a scripture out and pray it. Just read it over a couple of times in your prayer time. You can do that in a minute easily. Watching. Watching is asking God. It's just thinking in your mind, what can I pray about? What is there you want me to pray about? What is there that's going on that needs my prayer? Intercession. Is there someone I could be praying for? Who do I know that's struggling? Who is it at work that needs to know Jesus? Petitions. Ask. What do you need? What do you want? It's way down the list, isn't it? But ask what it is that you would want. Thanksgiving speaks for itself. Song, we're going to do that in a minute. Contemplation and meditation. Have you ever thought for any length of time about the Trinity? Last longer than 12 minutes if you think really hard about it. But think about something in the Bible that you want to meditate on it. God, what are you saying to me in that? And then there's listening again. Listen to God at the end of your prayer. What is it you've told me? What is it I need to take away, God? And then end again. We're going to do that soon. End with praise. 12 minutes. Can you do that? Is there anybody in this room that doesn't think they can do that? Perfect. Perfect. We can do that. We can enter into prayer. So I promise you I'm going to wrap up now. I'm going to ask the band to come up because I've gone on far too long. And then I'm going to pray for you. What we've seen is, in these scriptures, is the disciples start with simple devotional prayers to God. We're getting together. They don't really know what's happening. We don't really know what to do. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray constantly. Let's pray together. Those prayers developed into really bold prayers I wonder what it would look like if we could pray in faith for that Acts 4 prayer I wonder what it would look like if this church shook because we genuinely knew God and we genuinely asked him for boldness to speak the gospel and he filled us all with the Holy Spirit and the church shook is it impossible? no it's not but are we prepared to commit ourselves to prayer? Are we really willing to commit ourselves to prayer to God, to build that relationship with him? And as we get to know him more, ask him for more. When you're comfortable with God, when you know who he is, the miracles that he will perform, the things that he has for you, we will ask for more. And he will give us more. But for the kingdom. All for the kingdom. But it starts with constant devotional prayer. And that's what leads to insightful, earth-moving, kingdom-advancing prayer. So I'm going to ask you, will you start tonight? Have you got 12 minutes when you get home, wherever it is you go tonight? Have you got 12 minutes tonight that you could spare God in prayer? Father God, I pray for everyone here. I hope, Lord, we've not been uh, convicted, that we don't feel bad. But, Lord, we want to come to you and we want to spend more time with you, our Father and our friend. We want to spend time with you. We want to get to know you better. We really want to know you better. And we want to know what you've got for us, Lord. Every one of us here can be an intercessor. Every one of us here can stand in the gap and pray for someone. Every one of us here can pray for your kingdom to come. Every one of us can pray for our neighbor and for our work colleague and for our children. Lord, would you draw us closer to you? Your word says that when we lift up your name, you will draw men close to you. Lord, I pray that you would draw us all close to you as we lift up your name this evening and as we pray and lift up your name as we begin to praise at the start of our prayers as we lift up your name that you would draw us closer to you I pray that we would know you more that we would trust you more that we would believe in you for more that we would see miracles that we would see healing that we would see revivals that we would see your kingdom come on this earth and all we know it starts with prayer it starts with those 12 minutes that could very quickly become an hour. 
And before we know it, we could be praying constantly like those early disciples. Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to move us, to call us to prayer. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're on the bus on the way to work, whether we're brushing our teeth, whether we're getting dressed in the morning, that we would find time to pray to you whenever that may be. But I also pray you'll call us to persistent prayer and to timed prayer where we make time for you. So we need your help. Lord, we're to pray to you, but even in that, we need your help. So help us draw close to you, to pray to you, and pray for this world to change. Amen.